what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello everyone and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv. My name is Alan Jackson. I am the co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and co-director of the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. And, oh my gosh, like here in the flesh is my co-host, Chris Fry, at a socially distanced uh, distance away from my microphone. How you doing, Chris? Hello, Alan, <laughs> all the way across the studio. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing good. It feels good to get out of the house and uh, be safely distanced in the studio, but it feels good just to actually see another human being in the flesh as opposed to just online. Well, as like I've been saying, Chris, I have been for the last several months basically working solo in this building. So I've kind of felt almost like a hermit Hmm. where, you know, when I actually see another human being, I kind of recoil a little bit like, you know, (laughs) what are you doing here type of thing. So I'm just, I am happy to have other people back in the studio, even on a limited basis, even at a, a distance away from each other. So it's still good to have a, it's to be able to good to record these face to face a little bit more anyway. So can't say we're going to keep this way forever. You know, we'll see how things go, but we'll 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 see what we can do. It's good. Well, well it's nice. Enough with the pleasantries. Let's get into yes. what we're talking about in the show today. Is sure. Book Candle Films where we talk movies. We talk movies uh, that we have seen that we would like to review for you and give you some feedback. We also talk about some movies that are going to be coming up soon, and we'll be doing that later in the show as well as we talk about some upcoming movie news and productions. And uh, some trailers that have been released, we're going to kind of pick apart for you and let you uh, see some interesting projects that are underway. And at the end of the show, Chris and I always end up the episode with our recommendation for the episode. That is where he and I both select a film that we want to recommend that we caught up with recently, maybe revisited, or maybe just felt like it flew under the radar and we want to bring to everybody's attention as an option to check out when you're uh, at home these days. So, Chris, we got two films we're going to be reviewing in our main reviews today. First up is going to be the documentary Boy State. This is the one that went directly to Apple TV, exclusive there. Uh, and we're going to be discussing that film, followed by the latest film starring Ethan Hawke as Mr. Nikolai Tesla. The film is titled Tesla, and we'll be discussing that film as well. So, we got a lot to get to. Chris, are we ready to jump right in and go? Let's do it. All right. First film up that we're going to be discussing is the documentary Boy State. I will skip the part where I brag for three minutes about how great and cool I am. Seeing as we are all qualified young men of skill and character. People like that stuff. People like that stuff a lot. Some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm playing this like a game. I would like very much to win. I love it, boys. I love it. Where are you from? I come from a very modest family. I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. I'm a progressive person. 
and I'm in a room full of mostly conservative people. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. I've never seen so many white people ever. I feel like everybody has a secret underlying need for bipartisanship. In the new documentary, Boys State, a thousand 17-year-old boys from Texas gather to build a representative government from the ground up in only a week. Watching this film about young men learning the ropes of politics in late 2020 as we build towards a contentious presidential election was an interesting experience for me. Alan, what was your experience with the film? Um, I... Okay, I have to I have to look at this film in two different lenses. Okay, kind of referring to what you just introduced. Um, first off, I love the movie. Okay, I think it's one of the best documentaries I've seen in quite a while. Okay, really, really enjoyed it. If I didn't think too hard about it, uh, <laughs> if okay. I didn't think too hard about what it is saying about the state of politics and uh, much of uh, some of the things we see around us on a daily basis. Interesting. Um, because you're right, this this film is obviously documenting a real experience that the all these 17-year-old boys come together. Had, had you ever heard of the idea of I, boy state? I and just, you know, disclaimer, not disclaimer, but information for our listeners, there's also a girl state. Right. Um, but they, they do don't get into that. Out. They yeah. just focus on boy just state. Just focus on the boy state. I was not aware of it. Okay. No, this Neither was the was first I. time for me. Now, I've, you know, model UNs, other things I've been familiar with, but did not know in the state of Texas they had this week long, really microcosm of boiling down an entire political process and season down to like a week of a camp. I mean, first off, I'm kind of jealous because it sounded awesome. I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing I would have dug as a kid. And I think, um, I don't know if all 50 states do it because apparently it's put on by the American Legion. Right. But other states, like I think uh, Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, or you know, Illinois does it. So I think there are some other states that do okay. it. Right. But yeah, I was completely unaware. I was unaware of it and jealous because it looked <laughs> awesome. But um, so there was that going for it. You know, the fact that, I mean, it... You know, it's almost like the idea when you take something that we deal with in society and you boil it down to a very, very compressed, exaggerated version of it. It shows you all the it shows you all the strengths and weaknesses of the bigger process. And that's exactly what this film did. I mean, you went from a forming political parties, coming up with political party platforms, electing leaders of your party and then staging an election to have your governor, your, your candidate win the governorship all in a seven day period. You do that, you start to see where there's problems <laughs> and yeah. where there are faults with the political process. Right. I'll go ahead and say, you know, the first thing this film introduces us with is a quote, I think from George Washington that says, political parties will be the death of our society if mm-hmm. they come to, to, to bear. And I think that film is very, very clearly showing that, yeah, that's exactly what's gonna happen. We're not going to spoil the ending of the film and kind of how things go, but we will talk about some of the, the characters or real people we follow. But, um, I mean, it's, it went exactly the way I was fearful it would and expected it to based on what we know about the grander sense of politics these days. So, Chris, how about you? I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting as well. And I think at the end, I'll be all the outcome of the movie. Um, I've heard discussion online about some people kind of got depressed after they mm-hmm. thought it was a good film, but were ultimately, you know, kind of depressed about how it made them feel. And then I've seen an equal balance of people that said, actually it kind of made them feel hopeful. 
And it sounds like maybe you may be more of on the, not necessarily depressed, but just kind of a little down about what this reveals maybe. Well, I was, yeah. I was actually at the end all be all or at the end of the day, at the end of the film, I can see that, but I'm actually a little hopeful because it, mm. it kind of gave me some of that. The parties that they use, is it the nationalists and the federalists? Nationalists and the federalists. Okay. That's the two parties that they created for the film or for this camp. So right. they basically said, you know, we're going to divide all the kids into one of these two parties. And you don't get a say-so. It's like I don't think so. I think it's pretty much you just got divided up. And right. then as a party, they had to come together and come up with a platform yep. that what they stood for as a party elect the leaders for their party. So you have a party chair, you have campaign chairs and so forth. And then you have nominations for who's going to be your candidate for the governor role. And then the end of the process is the two candidates from one from each party are in an election and one of them wins and that's it. Now at that point you're done. I mean, you know, they, they, they all go home. <laughs> so, you know, right. They didn't really create anything that was really long standing, but uh, still it just shows the process so incredibly well. Um, I'll, I'll yeah. say that I found it interesting um, in the beginning of the film, you know, they show everybody, get, they show the, the kids interviewing a little bit of that to how they get this. They have to kind of apply to the American Legion to get this, you know, privilege of going there. Mm. And then once they get there, it's interesting which students seem to be there just kind of for camp for a week off to kind of goof off. And other ones that are seeing this as a conduit, because it shows in the opening credits of the film, some people like, I believe, Rush Limbaugh. Um, I can't remember all the other ones. There yeah. were a lot of people. No, there were a lot uh, of people who... Was Barack had, Obama one of them? I don't think Barack Obama, but okay. it was an... Um, There's some presidents that have been Oh, there. absolutely some presidents and yeah. even some some high high political uh, political candidates in the past. Okay. Right? Cory Booker? Was Cory yes, Booker Corey listed Booker in the credits? Yes, Cory Booker was one as well, yeah. Cory Booker was listed in the credits. Um so several people yeah. had been well-known for so this. So you can see yeah. how, like, some kids are like, no, I'm doing this because I want to be, you know, in the politics for real. I'm taking this seriously. And, you know, if I get all the way to the governorship, I can say that I won, you know, yeah, boy state right. or whatever. So it was, Well, and it was we even see some of the lead characters we follow in the post-credits or at, towards the end at the, at when the credits are rolling to see what they've gone on to do. And it's pretty impressive what some of them are doing. So, you know, they, they definitely have had kind of extended political lives of their own let's talk a little bit about some of those i'm yeah. going to call them characters but they're real people they're real people so, so, so yeah. let's talk about some of them there's ben feinstein mm -hmm. renee otero stephen garza and robert mcdougall those are that, kind of the big four that the, we follow that's the primary four there's other smaller supporting characters I, yeah characters is a tough word to use but uh the four that we really kind of follow that you really get to know more of and really see their their issues and what they're dealing with yeah um, of those four that I named, is there one that sticks out to you that you found the most fascinating? Between yeah. Ben, Renee, Stephen, oh, absolutely and the most okay. fascinating sure. was Robert McDougall. Ah. I think, um, and just background on sure. this, not to spoil anything, but when you first meet him, he is the most cocksure, just aggressive, wanting candidate for this whole thing. He's he, very prominent in the trailer. Very prominent in the trailer. Very prominent in the first 15, 20 minutes of the film where you think this is the guy that is going to be going the distance. But I tell you, they, they do something really interesting with him about halfway through the film where you start to kind of hear more of his, more of his internal thought process as the going along. And it changes the way you view him because Again, don't want to give too much away because I think part of the enjoyment of the film is seeing how these characters develop or what you learn about them along the way. But he was the most surprising for me because he's the one I expected to just hate the whole movie. 
And by the middle of the film, it's you understand him. And I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I think I, I understood him. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with him as a character all the time, but I did uh, understand him more. So he was the most surprising to me. He he was not, it did not follow the typical expectations I had for the film based on the opening moments. So what about you? Well, I thought it, Ben Feinstein, um, yeah. he comes to the camp seemingly with the goal. He's, you know, got a lot of really strong views and seemingly is coming in to be one of the governor candidates, but not long. And this isn't spoiling anything because it happens, yep. you know, within the first third, I guess. Um, he decides not to run as governor, but instead act as kind of a campaign manager for, I can't remember if he's on the Federalist he's on or the Federalist side. He is on the Federalist mm-hmm. side. Okay. You, good. You remember that. Um, but I thought it was interesting because to see how he filled that role and to see who ultimately takes the governor or the application to try to be the governor that he's helping it's just an interesting, like the man behind the front figure. And that just mm-hmm. was very interesting. And well, I found I mean, that very, I guess you could say troubling in some aspects, but um, I, don't, I don't know. I just found that very, very interesting. Well, I think what you're, what you're commenting on is, is something I think that's a real strength of the film is that typically if you said, I'm going to make a documentary and it's about this, this kind of mock political process where two people are trying to run to be governor of this little, this, this fake situation, this, this hypothetical situation, the film is going to spend a majority of its time following those two main candidates who end up being the, the two competing for governor. The film doesn't go that route. I mean, we actually learn very little about one of the two main candidates who's running for governor. We're following these other individuals, and it's really showing us and reminding us the political process we may think of the president or the governor as kind of the person that we're following, but... There's a lot of other people involved, and some of them probably wielding more power than we realize. Than we realize. Sure. And I think this film does a really, really excellent job of boiling that down in a very, very compressed situation. So, yeah. And even in this short time of only a week, it's interesting to see what role social media plays mm-hmm. and how it affects certain candidates' positions because. I mean, yeah, it's only a week, but man, apparently the campaign they started had some up immediately. Crazy like Instagram memes and videos going within like by like day four. I mean, so it was just pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I um I really, really did like this film a lot. I, I think I just enjoyed it. It probably spoke a little bit to me more just because I, you know, I, I did high school debate, you know, for, for many years. I enjoyed the competition side of things. I enjoyed the debating policy you know back in back in, in school at that age and this the type of camp would have been so up my alley I would have loved every minute of it um so it, I'm sure I probably it resonated with me more but I also was able to walk away from this film just uh <laughs> feeling less than optimistic about sometimes the political process that is around us every day and gotcha. it's not that anything in this film caused me to realize anything or trying to spotlight on anything, but it definitely reminded me of just all the mechanics at play and sometimes how, uh, unfortunately the things that we hope are held true don't always be the, aren't always the things that end up winning the day. And, uh, anyway, it's a, it's a really well made, it's, it's well made. I'll say that too. I think the access they had obviously was, um, pretty unrestricted. Um, granted, I think it's an, I, I hate saying it's an easier documentary to make, but 
you know everything's happening in the seven day period. I mean, that's it. As long as you've which got which can be stressful because you've got to get everything you want to get. But in you this know time. everything's in this one spot with all these people in one place for seven days. So it's just flood the cameras, get everywhere covered, make sure you've got it all, and tell a good story. And they absolutely did that. It's it told a, a good good story. So I think the the directors uh, we haven't mentioned their names yet, but and Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss. I think when we actually used this as part of a trailer tapas in an earlier episode, yeah. um, I mistakenly said that they were the directors of Jesus Camp. Not true, okay. but, but they were the directors of another film that I've seen, I think maybe I recommended, I can't remember, but called The Overnighters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's an interesting thing where it's a very tense situation. They kind of come in. It's a person who's giving shelter to people that are have been out of work or trying to find jobs in a community that's doing fracking and he shelters them in a local church and it causes all sorts of complications. Mm. So they definitely have a knack for finding good stories in intense situations. Um, so I'd, I'd like to, can't wait to see what they do next. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I'll, I'll give, I'll give kudos to you to the film that, you know, the, the, the old tried and true, the trope that you normally get in documentaries like this is the building of tension to when you have an election or you have a vote or you have a winner or a loser. And I'm, I was still just amazed that they pulled off that building momentum till that, to that final moment. And it worked. I mean, sure. it's just, it was very, very, it, it worked really, really well. Especially so, uh, when you're considering this is a documentary. So, you know, it's not a fiction film, so they don't artificially put stuff in, but it's a documentary about something that is just, I mean, it's a camp. Yeah. And they're not really getting to be governor of the state. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, as in the past year, apparently, at this boy state, they elected to secede from the union. <laughs> um, yes. So, obviously, Texas didn't do that. So, yeah, it's like, you know, ultimately, nothing matters, but yet it does matter. So, yeah, That's it's right. interesting to be able to build stakes in that situation. Well, the other two characters we follow that we really didn't talk a lot about, Stephen Garza, you know, he's one of the nationalists, and he was the one that ultimately becomes the candidate for the governor for their party. Um and just obviously his background has a lot to speak about some issues that we're facing in society with immigration. And then there was some gun safety issues being mm-hmm. dealt with that both were in their real life that they brought with them to this camp. Um, then you have Renee, who is the party chair for the Nationalist. And, you know, he's very open about the fact that he's very contrary to many of the viewpoints of what you see from these other kids in Texas. And he knew that was going to be a challenge coming in. And he was a fascinating person to follow too. So and actually, yeah. you know, as far as moments of kind of, I guess not heartbreak, but kind of like, Oh, like mm-hmm. not that it got dusty while I was watching this at home on my couch, but some of the statements that Renee makes about, politics or about things you're like oof like he's got a way of putting things that just kind of make you mm-hmm. I mean not that you weren't already aware of them or something he's but a for a young eloquent. person 17 years old to be saying this you're like you know wow yeah so <laughs> I'm I'm very very high on this film I thoroughly enjoyed it but also remind myself it's a very very strong cautionary tale of some things that we're dealing with on a much broader scale on a daily basis so ultimately you like it I yes mean, yes okay. ultimately I did like okay. it yeah Good. Great. Well, that is Boy State. I mean, that is a film we're, we're both pretty high on. It did win at Sundance Film Festival, I believe. I believe uh, you're right. Documentary won Grand Jury Prize. It is playing on Apple TV Plus. Now, that's one that we don't mention quite as often because it hasn't had as many films. I think we mentioned the film Greyhound that was yes. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just tell you, if you've bought anything Apple related in the past year, hopefully you've gotten at least a free year of Apple TV Plus. 
Uh, don't know if it's worth paying for on a monthly basis yet, but it's definitely building up its resume. And I think uh, it's absolutely, if you get it free for a year, this is a great way to use it. So, And this is, a te- this is what's known in the business as a tease. We're going to discuss another film that will be coming to Apple Plus. So this is, oh, Alan's giving me the, maybe you're wrong. Are we? Um, I think. <laughs> I'll mention the one that I thought. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll mention it. Oh, 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 you're mentioning it in the news. Yes. Yeah, I'm mentioning yeah, the news I'm sorry. Second. I thought you okay. meant reviews. Which no, no, like, no, no, oh, no. Okay, no, you're right. <laughs> okay, <Sorry>. phew. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's Just about broke the podcast there. Sorry. Live that, studio guys. stuff. It's all good. It's great. <laughs> okay, good. No, no, yes, yes. A film we will be discussing soon in this episode, yes, is an Apple TV Plus film again. So again, it's starting to build up to where they keep it at $5 a month. I'm like, yeah, it's probably worth it if you got one good film a month to watch out I of wanted it, to make so. sure we kept our Apple Plus sponsorship. No, they're not sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> but we'd be very happy <laughs> yeah, if they I mean, did. Feel free. I'm sure all the Apple executives listening to the show, we'd love your sponsorship dollars. Please right. let us know. All right, with that, Boy State, we definitely recommend it. Let's move on to our second review, which is the film Tesla. Is nature a gigantic cat? And if so, who strokes its back? May I introduce the brilliant Nikola Tesla, the greatest inventor of the age. If you Google Nikola Tesla, you get 34 million results. It's basically just four pictures. Beyond that, things get murky and more imaginative. Thomas Alva Edison. Got a light? Oh, Tesla, didn't see you there before. I now have the pleasure of introducing you to a novel system of energy, alternate currents. This will transform the way the world works. No No sparks. sparks. It's perfect. Where have you been hiding? Alternating current is a waste of time. Impractical and deadly. You live in your head. Doesn't everyone? You lack funding. Mr. Tesla thinks I owe him money. What was it, $50,000? Yes, Anne Morgan, daughter of J. Pierpont Morgan. A woman like that can make all your dreams come true. All my dreams are true. You want a lemonade? You work at night in a secret laboratory. You shoot lightnings from the earth to the sky. Drank the team wildcat, and I've become nothing but a mass of bloody scratches. Are you like being scratched? If necessary. Chris, in the movie Tesla, we have the a freewheeling, and I'm going to use that word kind of in quotes. That's a that's a word I saw in the description written about the film, and I think that fits here. A freewheeling take on visionary inventor Nikola Tesla. And it has a lot to do with his interactions and dealings with Thomas Edison and with J.P. Morgan, more specifically J.P. Morgan's daughter, Anne, as he's working through his breakthroughs in transmitting electrical power and light. Chris, there have been some films in the past several years dealing with the electricity battle. The, the, There's even a war, I think the current war, that was supposed to be a film that was supposed to have been released in the spring, but I think when the pandemic hit, it got either bumped or moved or something. I think it had Benedict Cumberbatch and some other big names in it dealing with this exact same story, Edison, Tesla, and so forth. But that film got moved. There's been some other films in the past that have dealt with Tesla, but he still has remained a fairly enigmatic character when it comes to films. Sure. Uh, He was also seen to be somewhat of that in real life. So I think it makes it a little harder to make a film when you don't have as much 
fact-based information to work with. Um, but in this film, directed by Michael Almereda, um, and also written by Almereda, we have Ethan Hawke starring as the titular uh, Tesla. Now, this have, could have taken an easy route and just been a straight biopic. And I think it would have been interesting because I'm generally interested in the life of Nikola Tesla. I think it would have been an interesting character to follow. But instead, the filmmakers decided to do something a little different, hence the freewheeling take that I described early on, where it's a film that part standard biopic, part uh, very, uh, what would you call it? Very sh odd uh, creative choices in mixing both modern devices, uh, changing up the elements of what is truth or not truth in a story when you're recalling a biography of someone, and even utilizing at moments, at many moments throughout the film, more of a stage-like presence in how they portrayed certain scenes or actions with static backgrounds on a stage and, and stage-like lighting. It was a very uh, interesting take on a biopic. I'm wanting to hear from you, though, Chris. Did it work? So normally, uh, when you and I discuss biopics, it's maybe a frustration that it hits all the similar notes or they try to span too much time in this mm -hmm. person's life. Um, but this one, because it is so unusual, you do have to kind of come back to instead of, you know, did I learn anything new? No, it's not even that is did the overall style of the film work for me or not work for me? Um, sometimes I found it frustrating, but overall it did work for me. Mm -hmm. And the, what I can come close to trying to communicate what you were talking about, the odd style is apparently when Almereda introduced this film, Tesla at its world premiere, he said that he'd been inspired to make it by episodes of Drunk History, which is a show that comes on Comedy Central. <laughs> right. The, the Behind that show, for those who aren't familiar with that show at all on Comedy Central, they have an all-star cast reenact famous historical events as told by an inebriated storyteller. In other mm -hmm. words, like a drunk person, hence Drunk History. This film kind of takes that irreverent approach at some points. You were mm -hmm. mentioning sometimes you see things like a character pulls out an iPhone mm -hmm. in this in the midst of this period piece. Um, or you have the character of Anne Morgan addressing the screen directly, breaking the fourth wall, sometimes talking about how many Google results you get when you look up Nikola Tesla. I can see how that would be jarring for people and really irritate some people. If they're wanting more of a standard biopic, you and I, you know, obviously review a lot of movies. We review a lot of biopics. So I found this refreshing. That being said, sometimes I wish it could have been a little less shaggy. Um, and maybe sometimes I found myself maybe getting frustrated because I don't know a lot about Nikola Tesla. I was wanting something a little bit more honest because I wanted to mm. learn a little more about Nikola Tesla. But um, I, I found it I found it rewarding. What did you think of it? I really liked it. Oh, good. I thought it was really good. No, I've, <laughs> and I think we're in the minority, unfortunately, on this, Chris, because I've been reading some other critics after watching it myself, and it's not getting a lot of love from a lot of other critic sources. But I thought it was very inventive, and I just, I, 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 I thought to myself, if this was being played, this story that I'm hearing as just a straight biopic, I don't think it would have been terribly interesting for me to watch. But yet, the style and the choices they made with this film kept me absolutely engaged. Is it a little infuriating because you don't know how much of what you saw is true or, or, or fix? Yeah, it could be a little bit. If you won't go into this wanting it to, to be an educational thing, I think it's frustrating. I gave up on the educational side about 15 <laughs> minutes in and said, no, I'm Wise. just watching this for the experience. And for the experience, I loved it. 
Um, some very, very bold choices. Like you said, the first time you see, a, you cut to a character who's sitting at a computer, mm-hmm. Google searching the person that we just <laughs> saw them have a scene with, That's it's jarring. But then once you realize what they're trying to do is take this story and show us how from a modern perspective we view it. And they're right. The way we view historical figures right now is you do a Google search. How many different images do you see? How many different hits do you get? Oh, Thomas Edison, you get these many millions of hits and views. But if you get Tesla, you only see these two pictures primarily and you only get this hit. And that in its simplest term was very like, okay, yeah, I totally get it. This is a guy that there's not a lot out there about. So how do you make a movie about it? Well, you kind of have to sometimes creatively fabricate things or put them in some very creative situations. Um, I'll just say this, Chris, any film that features a scene, (laughs) Ethan Hawke as Nikola Tesla singing, everybody wants to rule the world in a karaoke style setting. I'm kind of on board. Okay. Um, That it's got me. (laughs) And I I think, I think, you know, listeners, you're hearing that and you're thinking, ugh, then don't watch this movie because that's that's kind of a bellwether. Like, Mm -hmm. How you reacted to that scene is probably going to be how you're going to react to this movie. If you can, yeah. if you like, you think that's an interesting approach that intrigues you, then you'll probably be okay with the film. I was smiling during that whole moment because I'm just like, oh, this is this is cool. I get it. Yeah, it's an overplayed song. Oh yeah, but it fits the situation here. And I don't know. And even Ethan Hawke playing Tesla, playing singing that song was just really fun to watch. So. Well, you know, let's talk about some of the performances. Yeah, yeah. I I likewise liked. Ethan Hawke's performance, his portrayal of Tesla. Some people have been kind of frustrated feeling he was kind of like very cold or kind of a, you know, wimp performance. But I'm like, I, feel like I think that's, that's kind of that's who him. Tesla was. As I much as I, I don't know a lot about Tesla, but I thought that was. Well, that's the way we're supposed to perceive him. Perceive that's him. the way the filmmakers yeah. want us to see him. And I, I'm okay with that. Um, I liked I liked Edison. Oh, I re- yeah. Kyle MacLachlan, I've, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan, so I like him anyway. But it was really eerie, the photos that I have seen of mm-hmm. Thomas Edison and how he looked. It was weird for me how similar Kyle yeah. McLaughlin looked to Thomas Edison. My wife watched this with me, and she is a huge history buff. And the minute she saw Kyle McLaughlin as Thomas Edison, she's like, oh, my God, they, that's him. <laughs> like, perfectly. I'm like, yeah. Now, he was great. Jim Gaffigan as mm-hmm. George Westinghouse I thought was really good, too. So. That was an example where... I'd heard the kind of the drunk history thing before yeah. I started watching this film. And when Jim Gaffigan was Westinghouse, I was like, okay, yeah, that's totally a drunk history thing. To, mm-hmm. You know, put somebody really famous in this. Uh, jarring, but I really liked him. He did a really good job. It was job. fun. Yeah. And then you had Eve Hewson, who is Bono's daughter. Don't know if you knew that or not. I did yeah, not U2, know that. Yeah, U2's Bono. That is, he's Paul Hewson. That is his daughter, Eve. Yep, she's an actress. Huh. And uh, I thought she was good. Oh, she, she was really yeah, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She's great. So yeah, all the acting I was, I was on board with. I thought it was great. And I'm, 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 I'm remiss. I was trying to pull it up here while we're talking and I, I honestly just cannot place it, but there was a gentleman playing uh, Tesla's assistant or partner for the first half of the film. Right. Um, I don't remember his character's name or remember the, the actor's name, but he was really, really good. There's actually a scene where the the assistant is kind of pitching an idea to Tesla, and Tesla has to break it to was him. His, that, was his name Carl? Maybe, yeah. Okay. That sounds about right. Carl Gary. If so, Francis Upton's the actor okay. that did. Well, that. he's really good. Um, okay. He Tesla has to break to him that his idea has probably already been explored and, and developed by somebody else, and just that scene was just you know, it was heartbreaking and really really well played. And uh, so I I was impressed with all the acting I saw in the film. Thought it was all really strong. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's um, some scenes with a figure in history, don't know the actress's name, who played her right off the top of my head, but Sarah Bernhardt, who was this like actress, and she was very famous Mm -hmm. back in that time period, and they make it seem like she was kind of a muse for Tesla, and both are portrayed as, you know, pretty big oddballs. I mean, mm-hmm. they go talk about how Bernhardt supposedly went on tour with a coffin to sleep in. <laughs> um, so that made, like, even though Tesla was kind of impenetrable, she was also kind of very odd. And the relationship they had, or maybe they had, I, don't, I thought that was kind of an interesting mm-hmm. moment in the movie. Something else, you know, you've heard a lot some about the Tesla versus Edison, but bringing in J.P. Morgan and bringing in Westinghouse you kind of see this, <laughs> pun intended, I guess, because I laughed before I said it, but the power dynamic <laughs> going between all of those mm-hmm. inventors versus yeah. giants in the industry and all this stuff. And I thought that was really interesting and something that, I don't know, I'd never really considered before. So, The one thing I could say that I could see there being some criticism with the film is that it, it really doesn't leave you with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're watching it, you're still not quite sure how much of it, what you saw was true, how much of it was was not, how much of it, you know, was really Tesla versus just a perception we have of him. And even despite the creative flourishes, at the end of the day, I could see some people struggling with the fact that they just don't really walk away with much from this film. Hmm. That, I can buy that. I understand the, the, the understand the frustration with that. I was fine with it, because again, I, I enjoyed it for the experience even if I don't necessarily walk, walk away with a whole lot of knowledge or understanding of Tesla more than I did from two hours earlier. Um, I think I'm watching it for the experience and for the experience. It was, it was great. I had a good time with it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think we're on the same page. Wow. We're two for two on the I know. show. Unusual. I tell you what, just being back in the same general physical vicinity, <laughs> maybe that's helping kind of create a little group think here maybe i don't know <laughs> possibly so anyway that is tesla tesla is available online at any rentable streaming platform you got it on apple you've got it on um, uh, amazon you've got it on uh what's the other ones i'm thinking about is that pretty much it apple and amazon nowadays for renting films maybe yeah yeah probably about <laughs> it's not that. it's not on netflix where you don't no. rent stuff but it's not on that service it so. is a rentable film sure. at this point so yeah so we we're saying listen you may hear some negative comments about the film online there are some people it's not working for uh, chris and i say you know what we think it's worthwhile we liked it we had a good time with it and it's uh definitely an interesting film so Absolutely. we'll take that all right chris we're going to take a quick break because we're done with our two main reviews when we come back we're going to hit some trailers in our trailer tapas section where Chris and I will play little snippets of some trailers, tell you about some trailers that are out there that we, we want to kind of dissect and talk about for future films. Uh, I got a little bit of news to share about the New York Film Festival coming up in September and some of the films they're going to be uh, showcasing. And then we're going to end up with our recommendation of the episode. So stay tuned. Still a lot more Foot Candle films to come here on the TV. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with you from the Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival. We just went through our first reviews for the show of the films Boy State and of Tesla, both of those getting positive marks from us. 
we're both in agreement. So, you know, it's one of those kind of shows, Chris, where <laughs> we're kind of on the same wavelength. Uh, doesn't always happen, but we treasure it when it does. Um, but now let's move on to some future projects. These are projects we have no idea if they're going to be good or not. I'm sure we will be reviewing them at some point in the future. But let's talk about some trailers. And we do that in our trailer tapas section. Play a little morsels, little snippets of trailers and let you uh, let us let us talk a little bit about them. So Chris, what do we have to start us off on the trailers today? Well, first off, we're going to take a slight listen and then we'll discuss afterwards of the trailer for The Batman, which was The Batman. The Batman. Or The Batman. <laughs> Ooh, good question. <laughs> I think the that Batman. We need to clarify the or that. The I don't know. Uh, it'll be coming out in 2021. It is Matt Reeves's take on the subject matter. Um, I think it'll be a little Darker than maybe some of the other incarnations. Definitely some of the different than the Joel Schumacher mm. <laughs> rainbow-infused <laughs> takes on Batman. But um, it should be interesting. Robert Pattinson is the titular Bruce Wayne, the Batman in this version. All right. So let's play a little, little, little bit of it, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the trailer in general. Okay? Okay. Here we go. From your secret friend. Play a game, just me and you. Any of this mean anything to you? You're becoming quite a celebrity. Why is he writing to you? I'm vengeance. So um, that was just a teeny bit of the trailer. So Alan, you know, my thoughts right off the bat. Um, I don't think I have been this impressed with a trailer since the trailer for The Social Network that used a song from Radiohead, <laughs> Creep. Um, them now we have use, Nirvana. Them so, yeah. using Nirvana. And it was just a straight up version of something mm -hmm. in the way that wasn't a different, you know, angel choir that they kind of did for Social Network version. But that just right away because it just fits the mood um, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm all in basically. I will say, um, 
it's been out there that the Riddler is seemingly the main bad guy. It concerns me that they also show Catwoman and somebody, I think it's uh, Colin Farrell, who's supposed to be playing the Penguin. Mm-hmm. I, he does a laugh in the trailer that seems like it's kind of a Joker-esque <laughs> type yeah. laugh. Um, I get concerned that you're kind of cramming too much into one film. But that said, I'm excited. Well, I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm excited for the film. I, I, I'm anxious to see it. I am surprised in that, I guess, after the Nolan take of the film, uh, of the character, I, w- I don't know. I just, when I read the cast and I read the characters that were going to be in it and I read the director, I thought it might be a little, a tad lighter. Mm. It actually just seemed like they've gone even darker. It said like they told Chris Nolan, Matt Reeves told Chris Nolan, hold my beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, let's take the movie seven and turn it into a Batman movie. Yeah. And that's basically the vibe you get from it, yeah. which look, I love seven. Seven's a great movie. Um, I guess when I heard that it was going to feature you know, somebody playing the penguin, some uh, another Catwoman, it was going to be the Riddler. I'm like, okay, so maybe they're not going to go Joel Schumacher campy, but maybe a little more comic bush, a little bit lighter than what the the little less realism. But no, actually, I think this has probably dialed everything up to even more mm-hmm. the darkness, the 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 violence, and even the uh, the realism side of it. I mean, even his car, you know, is very. True. non-traditional not what you would expect from a big comic book character thing True. so i'm look i'm excited i think it's got all the elements to make it look really really good i just uh i'm just a little surprised the tone was as dark as it was yeah I, me too and i although i said i was excited just like you i'm excited because the trailer but yeah the darkness kind of concerns me a little bit um you know coming off the joker now we have right. the batman and you know typically you know, in the past, superhero movies, they're fun, but they, you know, they do give you some stuff, but it's not just like you walk out of there like, oh, that was so heavy. You know, it's not kind of what I really want out of a film. And this looks to be kind of heavy along the same lines as Joker, regardless of what you think of the performances. The other stuff is just, whoo, you know, yeah. <laughs> you want to watch a Pixar film or something sure. afterwards. So I will say, you know, there's a lot of questions about Robert Pattinson playing Bruce Wayne, the Batman or not. I'm on board. I mean, I think he's a good actor. Sure. And this is supposed to be the Batman in kind of a year one, year two type of mindset where hasn't been around forever, fairly new getting started. And, you know, I think he can play that part. So um, maybe a little left refined, um, right. a little more youthful. And I think he definitely has that to show. So I'm, I'm, I'm on board with all the, all the casting choices I think have been brilliant so far. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm still excited. I just, uh, it, I'm now stealing myself up for something different than maybe what I was expecting sure. when they first announced the project. So speaking of darkness and maybe uh, a little more adult and violent side of things, let's talk about another film, Chris. I'm going to throw at you. You have not seen this yet. I have not. So this is a film that I'm just more curious about because I think the premise is pretty outrageous. And I could almost see from what I'm seeing from this preview this trailer may be the 2020s answer to like Heather's, the um, Winona Ryder film back from the late 80s. Sure. Uh, where it's a little more of a very uh, interesting take and a commentary on high school and um, high school people. So, okay. Anyway, it's called Spontaneous. It is about kids spontaneously combusting. Nice. So just go ahead and leave it out there. Um, maybe not for the week of heart for anybody out there who's interested in this trailer, but let's go ahead and check it out here and we can talk about it.
Hey, Mara. This is the guy. This is pick Dylan. Ew! You sent her a pic? No, that would be gross. He sent me pictures of Richards. <laughs> That's worse. Can't keep me down any longer. Tell me something, just for me. First time I saw you, Jed tried wrapping his arm around you. <laughs> it was a good first impression. was cute, airy, hardly a reason to pop like a zit. What happened? Caitlin exploded. What? Like, like a bomb? No, like a balloon. What? Will I get these back? Do you want these back? And the hell are they gonna let us out of here? When they know it's not gonna happen again. Then what's gonna happen again? It happened again a lot. You know you Listen, everyone's scared. Duh, duh. Kids are literally blowing up. I think they're doing tests on us. What's your name for the record, please? You can ask my lawyer. I have a moment for you where I knew I liked you. You liked me? I'm just so glad I didn't explode all over you. Watch me run What's gonna happen to us? Well, at least now you can't say things were so much harder back in my day. You're right. You have a way worse. Well, all right. So that is the movie Spontaneous. Um, I'll admit I'm a little drawn to it because I still think one of the best gags in film is the Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap, the spontaneously combusting drummer. Sure. So, of course, I was drawn to this film concept of... As you may have, if you've seen the trailer or maybe just heard from the little bit we paid, yes, it is about a situation where people in a high school start spontaneously combusting. And it seems to be that there's a, a love story involved, there's comedic elements involved, but I also get the sense it's going to be a lot of satire about high school and those dynamics in general, too. Chris, your first glimpse, any curiosity on this film? Sure. I mean, I, th I think this film you have to admire it for the premise factor. Uh, but apparently it's based on a novel. Yes. So that, that seems like, okay, somebody has thought this through. So it's something more than just an amusing premise, True. Um, which is what the trailer presents. Like, you know, there's actually some strong plot elements you would assume to make a novel out of it. So hopefully that translates well to the film. I am curious. Um, it seems, it seems like it could really be good. Um, you know, kind of an unknown director to me an unknown actors really to me Catherine Langford I'm not familiar or Charlie Plummer yeah so. not really familiar with them um but yeah this looks like it could kind of be an update to Heather's um we'll see how they pull it off yeah um, and be curious too so anyway it just kind of came across my radar and I thought it was interesting to discuss so Chris you've got one more trailer is that right yes okay yes. great so uh we've got we'll play a little bit of the trailer for On the Rocks this is a film starring Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, and mm. it is by the studio A24, but they're going to be releasing it to Apple Plus. This is me following up on the So teams. Apple TV Plus, and this is a Bill Murray. Yes. With Rashida Jones as well, who's also yes. very good. Mm -hmm. um, and the director is? Sofia Coppola. Ah, right. Sofia Coppola. So let's take a look at this. I am definitely have gotten some... Uh, Lost in translation vibes from this a little bit. Of course, I think the Bill Murray, Sofia sure. Coppola connection there. But let's uh, let's take a look at this trailer and see what we've got. 
Hi, Dad. Hey, kiddo. Oh, my gosh, do you look beautiful. You live. How's your mom's hip? Good, thanks. Good. He thinks you're my girlfriend. Right. Been busy? Yeah. Dean's traveling with clients all the time, and I'm just the buzzkill waiting to schedule things. Just, I'm so stuck. So Dean's going away a lot, huh? On business trips? Dad. Raise your hand if that sounds fishy. He's not like you. He's a good guy, a great dad. Sure, it's nature. Males are forced to fight, to dominate, and to impregnate all females. Maybe he's just not interested in me anymore. Impossible for women that are most beautiful between the ages of 35 and 39. Great, so I have many months left. Billy, you're back in town. Been busy? Yeah. Got a lot going on. Do you? He should be worshiping the ground you walk on. And if he's doing something dishonorable, you need to know. What if Dean's just busy? I'm in a rut. That's it. I think we should follow him. What? I think you better see him in action. This is your idea of incognito? Coming through! Here's the plaza. This is the place to have an affair. It has the most exits. Exits on three streets. So, you know, based on what little bit of you heard of that trailer, Alan, I'm excited for this film. Um, I like Bill Murray and almost everything he's done. To me, it seems like he's kind of playing a take on Royal Tannenbaum, but he's getting to be Royal, or he's, you know, the Royal Tannenbaums, he's getting to be Royal Tannenbaum mm-hmm. in, in this film. Yep. Um, it's his daughter instead of like the relationship that he had in Lost in Translation with just somebody he met and they kind of shared, you know, some time. This is like, you know, obviously he's trying to help out his daughter who seems to maybe have a marriage on the rocks. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Um, From the scenes that we did see in the trailer, from what you, just the comic timing of Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, like, yeah, it seems like she's, they're they're equals. It's like, let's do this. (laughs) It is a great chemistry just from the two minute trailer. Sure. I hope it carries over to the whole film. Sure. I love this overall concept and I know it's going to be deeper than just this on the surface, but this idea of, a, a, a flandering uh, father who was always in, in these extramarital relationships is now having to basically counsel his daughter on whether or not her husband is cheating on her. Right. I love that concept, and I love the fact that he's trying to help her. Obviously, I know the film will go a little deeper than that, and exploring the father-daughter relationship or, or, or what it means to be in a, a marriage, I don't know. We'll see, but... I love the premise that was set up in the trailer. And again, the two of them is with the chemistry they've got just in those two minutes are, uh, looks really great. And, and it's Sofia Coppola, which, you know, again, good filmmaker. She makes some great projects. I, I think Lost in Translation is a really good film. Granted, she hasn't quite hit that level again. I don't think film-wise, you know, she's had uh, good films, but they just haven't quite risen to that level that she got with Lost in Translation. But um, I'm just excited that here in, you know, in a few weeks, we'll get to watch it like at home. So that's nice. Yeah. I, I agree. I know she's a talented filmmaker. She's got a great visual style. Think of things like Marie Antoinette that she did was also, mm-hmm. but you know, recently, yeah, her style has, it hasn't really hit for me. Some of the, just the subject matter she's done mm-hmm. returning to an out and out, what seems to be maybe got a little bit of drama, but kind of a comedy, at least from the trailer, yeah, a lot like of funny comedy moments. drama type of thing. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's going to kind of hit my sweet spot a little bit more. I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited about that film. I, I saw the trailer just recently too, and immediately 
it's on my watch list. So, Excellent. well, speaking of that, so that was three great trailers. I'm excited about all three projects. I can't wait to see how they come about. And that's the fun thing about the trailers. I know that we generally frown on trailers that spoil too much, but if a trailer's desire is to introduce us to a film that we weren't aware of, or to hopefully build up some, some excitement for a film, then these three are doing that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to all three of them. Now, Chris, the last one we just mentioned, the On, on the Rocks, the Sofia Coppola film, kind of segues into what I just wanted to make a, a couple notes about, talking about the North New York Film Festival. So, Chris, you and I are 30 days out at the time of recording from our own film festival, the Foot Candle Film Festival. Correct. Which has gone completely online. So it is going to be an online festival because that just seems to be where we need to be right now. And plus, we wouldn't be able to get a theater to open up anyway, uh, given the current current restrictions. The New York Film Festival is going to be running from September 17th through the October 11th. Much longer time. That's a four-week film festival, yeah. which is longer than its normal film. And the reason they're doing that, the reason they've kind of extended it, is because basically they are, are opening the, the festival up to more drive-in type screenings and hmm. more remote screenings and theaters that are going to have limited capacity or more spaced out seating. Interesting. So they're still doing in-person theater screenings from what everything I can see right now. But they're just accommodating it by stretching everything out to the point where there will be fewer people in the audience or people maybe driving their car up to see a film, but giving them some alternative ways to do it. The reason I mention this is because On the Rocks will be playing at the New York Film Festival that was just announced recently. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting because the film festival, this is the same festival that normally when it's running this time of year, we're starting to see the films that are going to be big Oscar contenders. They're normally playing the New York Film Festival. Last year, for example, we saw Marriage Story and The Irishman, both of them that were big contenders at the Oscars, both multi-nominated for a lot of different things. Um, this year, uh, the, the big studios are not really participating in the festival, mainly hmm. because their whole award season's just been upended. I mean, right. all their more award prestigious films are not getting any theatrical release right now. Right. So a lot of the studios are kind of holding back and pulling back films and just waiting to see what's going to happen. So what that means for a festival, a big festival like this, is that you you do kind of get to welcome some maybe some smaller films or films that wouldn't have gotten quite the attention. So On the Rocks, I think, is probably one of their bigger films they're going to have. That one was just announced and, and all. Another larger film they're going to have, I guess, from a, a recognition standpoint, Steve McQueen, the director, 12 Years a Slave, did Widows most recently. Sure. He does have a, quote, film coming out at the festival. Now, I use quote because it's not really his next movie. He's doing part of an anthology series. Oh, okay. It's uh, called the Small Axe Anthology Series. It's a, his is just one chapter in a collection of original films that tell the story of London's West Indian community. Okay. So he's made a film called, um, gosh, where was it? I just had it, Lover's Rock. And that film is going to be the opening night film for the festival, but it okay. is part of an anthology of other films that other filmmakers are doing as well. Do you know if they were originally planned before everything happened? Was it originally planned to be like an anthology series on like HBO or Showtime? Or do you know if they were always planned to be released really theatrically? It actually says that the films are going to premiere on BBC One and later air on Amazon Prime. So, okay. you know, maybe maybe it was something where you know the festival needed some more content and just had to kind of pull some of these. I'm not sure. Interesting. Uh, but Steve McQueen's Lovers Rock is going to be the opening night film. 
Chloe Zhao's film Nomadland with Francis McDormand, which I think will be really interesting. Okay. She did the writer. Uh, uh, it was Chloe Zhao did. That's the right one. The writer. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's also in charge of a Marvel film, The Eternals. Right. Yeah, that's coming out. I think in the spring or twenty twenty five. So now she's got a film Nomadland that huh. has Francis McDormand as the uh, lead actress on it. Interesting. That will be coming out, and then there'll also be a film called uh, French Exit by. Asriel Jacobs, not familiar with the filmmaker, starring Michelle Pfeiffer and Lucas Hedges. That's mm. going to close the festival. Okay. Just from those three I mentioned, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, none of those three sound like they're going to be, would have been major, huge Oscar contenders. So the fact that those are your opening and closing films for the New York Film Festival does show that they've changed their scope a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the films they have to work with are a little more limited. Um, but I think Warner Brothers, Netflix, some others are just not participating in the big award season this fall because their entire slate of films has been completely upended and they're having to retool how they release those films in the future to get the most uh, benefit from them. As a throwback to a previous news story, when we talked about how the Oscars had kicked the can down the road and said they'll still do it, but I think they extended the deadline to January or February I, as far as when a like film Two had or three premiere. months they extended it or something. Okay. Yeah. So my hope, I still would think it would be great if some bigger films don't actually end up premiering and some of these films that are releasing anyway, it's like, I think the reward for their bravery should be that they are in contention for Oscars. Like mm-hmm. Nomadland ends up being a Best Picture nominee because something else didn't wasn't able to come out. I, I hope they don't keep moving the Oscars further out and it just could be a year, a big year for independent cinema. And it very well could be, that would be exciting. I mean, I don't think a lot of TV, uh, TV programming agents and presidents are probably looking at that as terribly exciting from a rating (laughs) standpoint, but I'm with you. I would much rather see some really interesting independent films getting some really, really large recognition during this time. So I agree. Well, that's the New York Film Festival, September 17th through October 11th. So if you happen to be going to New York to attend the New York Film Festival, go up there on the 17th, get back to Hickory by the 23rd, because we need you near a computer or streaming TV device to enjoy our festival from September 23rd through the 27th. And then if you need to go back up to New York again, you have a couple more (laughs) weeks to finish that out. That's fine. We will allow that, that process. Um, Yeah, I really wish the New York Film Festival had consulted with us before scheduling their festival because it does kind of conflict. Right. Well, they've burned that bridge, so don't expect any favors from us, New York Film Festival. Definitely not. (laughs) Uh, Before we move on to our recommendation, I will just do a quick plug for our Foot Candle Film Festival we have coming up September 23rd through the 27th. That is going to be a completely online virtual festival, which means that you don't have to travel anywhere to come to Hickory if you don't want to come to our little neck of the woods to enjoy these films. You can watch them anywhere in the nation. So we are going to be, uh, that is going to be happening September 23rd through the 27th. Most all films will be available outside of North Carolina. Um, You can actually go onto our website, footcandlefilmfestival.com, and go and see not only a slate of all the films we'll be showing, but you can buy tickets or buy a pass to cover the entire weekend for you. Uh, we've got some great film events. We've got some great film screenings. 
and we will have a live uh, award ceremony on Sunday evening to close out the ceremony or the festival. So please join us. We'd love to have you. Candlefilmfestival.com is the place to go. And Chris, anything I missed on that? I think we got it covered pretty well. I think it all sounds good. All right. So everybody, mark that on your calendars. We hope to see you online in just a few weeks. All right, Chris. Now we're to the last part of our show, the part that everybody kind of fast forwards to the end (laughs) to get to. It is our recommendations for the episode. You and I both have to have the job of watching movies, which I know we hate doing. Oh, it's tough. And we have to choose one that either we just caught back up with or we recalled that we think is worth recommending to our audience during this time if people are looking for something uh, movie-related to watch. What do you have to share with us today as a recommendation? So I have a film that was released in 2020. It came straight to Netflix. Alan, what does the name, the actor's name, Jorge Garcia? Do you have any idea who that is? I recognize the name, but I can't place anything. So he played Hurley on Lost. Yes, that's it. (laughs) Okay. I knew I knew it, but yeah, sure. Hurley from Lost, the um, TV show. You know, I just knew nothing about Jorge. Gar- I still don't really know anything about Jorge Garcia, the person, but I loved the character of Hurley yeah. on Lost. Okay, mm-hmm. now, the film that I'm going to recommend, Nobody Knows I'm Here, has nothing to do with that character, but it does star Jorge Garcia. And when I saw him, and he is the central figure in this movie, he plays Mimo, who lives on a remote Chilean sheep farm, Chilean sheep farm, He's hiding a beautiful singing voice from the outside world. He's kind of a recluse, but he can't stop dwelling on the past. And something happens that kind of forces him to be put back in the spotlight. So it's kind of in a weird way, you know, Searching for Sugarman was a documentary. This is not a documentary. It's a narrative film. But it's, I'm not going to say too much more about it, but it was a really interesting film. I really enjoyed him on screen getting to do, you know, some acting. It is a very muted performance Mm -hmm. but he still communicates a lot and a musical moment that comes toward the end of the film and i think there is actually kind of a an actual mic drop (laughs) but it is just a huge kind of mic and it's just a really kind of builds towards that and there's a very powerful moment so Mm. um nobody knows i'm here it is by director gaspar antillo which i think this is his first film as well so it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you might want to check it out. Nobody knows I'm here. You know, that's, that's amazing. I, like you, loved the character of Hurley on the Lost TV show. And I was always found myself getting so disappointed that in the years after Lost ended, I never really saw Jorge Garcia do anything else. So I'm super excited to know that there's a film on Netflix that he's a star of and I can go check it out. So thank you. That's, mm-hmm. See, if nothing else, even if nobody out there <laughs> listening, Chris, Picks up on your recommendation. You know that your co-host did. And that's there you go. It's all that matters. I've right? reached one person. One person. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's all you need. Um, okay, my recommendation, I'm going a little more, I don't want to say mainstream, but probably one that I'm sure people have heard of, but maybe one you haven't gone back to revisit. Or maybe just decided you didn't you weren't interested in seeing this the first time it came around. And that is the film Interview with a Vampire. Yes, I am going to talk about the film Interview with a Vampire. That is the one starring a Mr. Tom Cruise, a Mr. Brad Pitt. Uh, you had the very first performance, I believe, from Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Antonio Banderas, very early uh, Hollywood film for him as well. Big cast. Big cast. This was 1994, directed by Neil Jordan. Neil Jordan, you may know from The Crying Game. I remember when this film came out, and I remember 
quite the uh, hubbub around it. It was a big press event. Obviously, you had big name stars, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was on was a rising star at the time. Tom Cruise has been a Hollywood star at that point for quite a while. Um, it was supposed to feature River Phoenix in mm-hmm. a role of the reporter. That's kind of been the bookends of the, of the movie. Uh, ben said, of course, with his untimely passing, he was replaced by Christian Slater. Interesting. Um, as I mentioned, Antonio Banderas, very early role for him. So one that did get him a lot of attention. Uh, and he obviously got cast in some other interesting projects after that. So it was a lot of buzz around that. There was also some, you know, this is based on the Anne Rice uh, uh, Vampire Chronicles series of books. There was a lot of controversy when the filming was starting and when Tom Cruise was announced as playing the, the vampire Lestat. Um, a lot of people just felt like that was not a good fit. He was too Hollywood. He was too, uh, too pretty for it. Although, I don't know. I, watching this film, I tried to watch it in a different lens because I remember I watched it when it came out. And I was, eh, I mean, I wasn't terribly blown away impressed, but I thought it was a serviceable, fine film. Sure. The movie did not lead to very much success with future films at all. I think they tried to make a sequel or two that just didn't really go anywhere. Right. And pretty much gave up on trying to, pursue this whole series of books as some some larger blockbuster movies but um i will say i watched it with a new set of lens and and i i enjoyed it i was surprised with how um violent sexual uh dark the film was given the time it was released and all the stars involved tom cruise it's not the type of movie you would ever expect a tom cruise to do so i think i gotta give the guy props for doing something a little against type Hmm. I liked his Lestat. Now, granted, I didn't have a lot to compare it against. I think I did read an interview with a vampire, but I I saw him in the role. I I saw him fit. You know, Lestat is a kind of a very elegant, showy character. And I think Tom Cruise did okay with that. (laughs) I will say, though, the one thing that really blew me away from watching it this time that I want to make, I'm basing my recommendation on, is when Kirsten Dunst appears as Claudia about a third of the way through the film and basically is with them through the rest of the film. You know, watching a child actor play this part, which it's a challenging part to begin with. You have to play a child who traumatized by the loss of family. You basically get adopted by two two uh, vampires. Um, you kind of get acclimated to the vampire life, and then because the way the vampire code works, <laughs> when you turn to a vampire, you get locked in at whatever age you are. So she never grows, but yet right. mentally she's grown. So she has to play the equivalent of like a 30, 40 year old woman later in the film housed in a very, very young uh, girl's body. And she did it. I mean, she was really, really good in this film and I forgot how impressive she was. Uh, It definitely was a star making turn for her. And obviously she's gone on to do many, many films since then. But um, that's my biggest reason for watching it. It is, it is a more darker twisted uh, film than I remember it being. It's definitely a Neil Jordan film where I think he, he was probably the right kind of director to bring on this project. It could have been a much, much more Hollywood production, but they really made it uh, a little more grounded to the book, I think, than, than people were expecting. So in general, I, I'm, I think it's a good film. I enjoyed watching it again. So I'm just saying if it's something that you remember from the early 90s and just maybe haven't revisited, but you liked it back then, I think it's still it holds up really well still now. Your experience, you, you've, you've seen the film. Yeah, I, I have seen the film, I think. Have you, you seen know, it since 94? No, yeah. no, no. I mean, I maybe saw it a couple of times in 94 because the group I was running around with thought it was just like really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I wonder. You're saying it would hold up, so I'd be curious to, so. to watch it again. I think now. so. I think it does hold up. Now, I will say, I think probably the weakest part is Brad Pitt. Uh, oh, okay. Brad Pitt has turned into a good actor over the years. 94, wasn't quite there yet. Okay. Um, it's a little rougher. I think his performance is probably the one thing that doesn't work for me in the film. Okay. Uh, I wish it was 2020 Brad Pitt, because I think he's much, much better now. Uh, he's He has definitely gotten better with age and seasoned with age, but... Uh, 94, this is still a fairly early role for him. Uh, I just didn't think his his performance worked for the film. Okay, yeah, yeah I'll have to have to get back and revisit. Yeah. All right, well, that is our two recommendations uh, for the episode. And just as a reminder, we both gave some very hot, high praise to the film Boy State, which you can find on Apple TV+. Plus. We also gave some good high praise to Tesla, which you can find on uh, Apple, whatever they call it, Apple, I guess it is Apple TV where you rent the movies. Sure. Apple TV Plus is the service, service where you get the movies and all. Um, so we both, either way, wherever you find it, Amazon, <laughs> Apple, we're, we're fans of the movie Tesla. We shared some uh, discussion about the trailers for Combust, uh, no, Spontaneous. Yes. I'll go ahead and call it Combustible, but it's Spontaneous. <laughs> On the Rocks and then The Batman. Right. Versus the Batman. Um, <laughs> Very contentious right yes. there. Which, yeah. Our recommendations on Netflix, Nobody Knows I'm Here from Chris. And then me, my recommendation, it's on Amazon, Apple, everywhere, is Interview with a Vampire from 1994. Chris, we covered a lot of ground here, but I'm sure people may still have questions, comments, or thoughts to share with us about anything we said. How can they get a hold of us if they do wish to share some of those thoughts? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org to tell us what you thought of our reviews. Or if you checked out a recommendation, I understand we had a listener who checked out one of mine for Greener Grass and said it was not his cup of tea. <laughs> so we always like to get feedback. You can send that feedback to info at footcandle.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Al and I also have accounts on Letterboxd where you can track what we're seeing. Sometimes we give short little mini reviews. Also on Letterboxd, if it's a movie we reviewed, usually in the reviews that I'll put up there for it, I put a link to past episodes if you need to catch up with past episodes that way. Speaking of past episodes, the number one way you can follow the show is to subscribe to us. If you do so in iTunes while you're there, why don't you give us a star rating or write a review? Because that'll help us reach new listeners, and we always appreciate that. Hey, Chris, do you ever listen to iHeartRadio? I do not listen to iHeartRadio. Okay, well, you should now. Okay. Because our our podcast is on iHeartRadio now. Nice. I just want to let everybody know that was uh, just here recently. Okay. Got added. And iHeartRadio is kind of beginning to be a pretty good place to listen to podcasts. So if you... If you're somebody who listens to a lot of radio stations on iHeartRadio and you sometimes like to mix in some podcasts, well, now you get to do it all in one place. So iHeartRadio, Foot Candle Films has been added and uh, just another place to find uh, to find this show. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope to see you virtually at the Foot Candle Film Festival in late September, September 23rd through the 27th. Or we will see you here for our next episode with some more movie reviews and discussion. Thanks, everybody. Take care. See you in the ticket room. Watch films in the company of like-minded people in the dark. Watch films in the underground. We won't let anyone know where you are. The films that don't make it to Carmike at the mall. Or ones that were famous when Grandpa would watch films out of the room.
Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.